from Dallas Baptist University, this is the Gridiron Podcast. Welcome to the Gridiron, the new DBU podcast. I'm Brianna Dix. I'm Simeon Jones. And I'm David Hodgins. Wow. I am still recovering from Sunday. Definitely not the outcome I was expecting for sure. What I still are don't some... believe it. Uh, I'm not believing it. No. Nope. Didn't happen no. in my head. Did not happen. Mm-mm. For sure. Okay. So, David and Simeon, what are some key plays for the Falcons and the Patriots looking back on Super Bowl 51? For me, obviously... The Falcons started off very strong. They put pressure on Brady, um, and their running game was very successful. To name a few key plays, Robert Alfred with the 82-yard interception run for the touchdown during the second quarter where the Falcons scored 21 points. Crazy. And then Grady Jarrett was explosive and had three sacks against Tom Brady, which is tied for the most sacks in NFL history. And then the Patriots had several turnovers and dropped several passes on crossing routes that could have turned into huge plays. Um, But during the fourth quarter, the Patriots had an incredible quarter, scoring 19 points and kept Atlanta from scoring during the entire quarter. They had a fumble recovery at the beginning that turned into a touchdown and then made a two-point conversion. Um, And the Falcons began to pass um, instead of running the ball, which resulted in a sack that pushed them back 12 yards and then a penalty that kept them out of field goal range, giving the ball back to the Patriots. Um, Edelman coming down with the catch was huge because it could have been intercepted by the Falcons, but instead they scored on that drive with the two-point conversion to tie it 28-28. to And that play really changed the momentum for the game um, and really ended it for the Falcons, in my opinion. Um, and I just don't know where the Falcons' defense was in that second half that we had in the first half. Mm-hmm. Was not there. Where was Jarrett? And then during overtime, you had the coin toss, giving the Patriots the ball, And then White made his way into the end zone for his third touchdown after the pass interference penalty from the Falcons to put the ball on the two. Wow. What a game. And then when you look at the time of possession, the Falcons had the ball for 23 minutes and the Patriots had the ball for 40. (laughs) 40. That's crazy. That is why you're definitely not going to win the Super Bowl if you have the ball for half the time. And just, I mean, we witnessed history. This Super Bowl, largest margin of victory in a Super Bowl in franchise history. The Patriots came back from a 25-point deficit at one point and the first Super Bowl to go into overtime. David, what were your thoughts? Uh, Man, uh, first off, wow. Um, What a Super Bowl. Um, Incredible. I was very disappointed, but I was very happy (laughs) um, for the excitement of the game um, and all that it stood for. A lot of key plays, obviously both sides of the field obviously key plays were all in the Falcons in the first half I don't think the Patriots made any key plays at all um in the first half um just you know Matt Ryan driving down the field Julio Jones being Julio Jones I mean and then uh Grady Jarrett sacking Brady and we talked about last week how like the key to getting to the Patriots and stopping them was getting to the quarterback and that's what I thought yep what are they <laughs> what are they doing the first half they got to Tom Brady yeah. got to the quarterback exactly. and they got three points yeah. and so uh, clearly, we all thought the Falcons had it in the bag. Everyone else thought that. <laughs> and then Tom Brady, who's Mr. Perfection, 
throws an interception that gets returned for a touchdown. <laughs> and we're like, okay, everything's going right. Everything's going great for the Falcons. And um, then the second half happened. Um, started up, still started off a little slow. Third quarter was a little slow. Obviously, the Falcons weren't as aggressive. Uh, then the fourth quarter happened, and then it just went downhill from there. Um, obviously, the Patriots came back. A lot of key plays, um, especially with you know that Edelman catch was, which was incredible. Um, I, I still don't to this day the I don't know the shoe. Yep, and like there, there's just like this slow motion video of like the ball, like literally like one inch from the ground, and like his hands are like three inches up from the ground, <laughs> and suddenly, shing, like he's like under the ball. As it's like a centimeter away from the ground, so I don't know how it happened. Um, Gab Which was on the catch is better, that or David Tyree? Uh, what do you think? What you got? Um, okay, so for going in moment wise, um, I would think the Tyree catch because like that was a third down play. The Giants really needed to get down the field. It was literally like a last gasp of breath, pretty much. Eli Manning threw the ball. Um, but, uh, I mean, it was all luck. It was on the helmet. Skill-wise, the concentration, definitely Edelman for him to still view the ball as, like, the ball is, like, bouncing on the foot and, like, him finally getting it. Um, but then again, that was the second down play. So, it's like they didn't need it, but, like, obviously it worked in their favor. So, uh, yeah, that's a I, – I just think it's yeah. too weird of an argument just because, like, Fair they're enough. just different – Mm-hmm. Different. Well, and they're both luck. Yeah, you they're both luck. Different agree. moments in yeah. the game. Um, but I mean, I don't know. But I mean, just overall, I mean, those are the key plays. I thought one of the biggest key plays for the Falcons, which kind of like what secured them, I thought secured them for the Super Bowl, was that Julio Jones like literally impossible high catch on the sideline mm-hmm. that he got the two his the two feet in in his Jordans. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that the one, one that you know got him in field goal range, and we're like, all right, sweet, the kick a field goal, game yeah. over, up eleven, two minutes left. Like, there's no way. And of course, as we know, Matt Ryan got sacked for like minus twelve yards, got him out of <laughs> field goal range, and then the rest, as they say, is history. Oh, so, uh, a lot of key plays in the game. Obviously, more you know, more Falcons. I mean, honestly, I mean, more Falcons in the first half, more Patriots in the second half. But obviously, I mean, I think all the key plays was just once. All the key plays were just one-sided throughout each half. All the key plays were in the Falcons era, first half, and then all the key plays were in the Patriots era, second half. And so, I mean, overall, uh, great Super Bowl, great comeback. First to go to overtime, and my hometown city, Houston, Texas, H Town, all the way. And so that was kind of cool. But um, nonetheless, uh, great game. Very disappointed. I did not want the Patriots to win, but they won. So that's what happened. Simeon, key plays. What do you think? Key plays. I mean, like y'all said, it's definitely. it was definitely nuts. Uh, I still don't believe this game happened. I don't know what happened. Uh, I think I freaked out and just kind of lost track of what happened in probably the fourth quarter and had no idea how they came back. Um, but it was nuts. Some of the key plays were crazy. Uh, I definitely, like y'all said, the first half, the Falcons dominated and just killed it, and they came out aggressive. And we're looking just hot as ever. And that pick six, you know, right then and there, I was like, all right, this is pretty much over. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're up 21-3 at half. And how are you going to come back from that? But the craziest thing is at the end, obviously, the Patriots had the ball. And they kicked that field goal to go into halftime. And then it went into the halftime show. And then come third quarter, Falcons offense hadn't been on the field for like an hour and a half. Because... <laughs> The halftime was 30 minutes instead of the normal 12 or 15 that they normally do mm-hmm. because obviously you got to get Lady Gaga, of let course. her do her thing, jump off the roof, whatever. <laughs> um, but, I mean, it's it's nuts. You uh, When you, when you kind of sit still, especially as an offense that has been so hot in the first half and you have an hour and a half break, I mean, that's, that's un, unreal. 
you know, most offenses only go to the sidelines for 10 minutes or whatever, and they go back right back on the field. And then just in the second half, the Patriots dominated the ball. They knew they had to come out perfect, and I think it was something like uh, the Falcons ran 49 total plays in the game or whatever, like you were saying with possession of the ball. In the second half, the Falcons' offense almost never got the ball. They had some key plays that Julio Jones' tiptoeing catch was unreal. I don't know how he made that. That man is a freak. He's one of my favorite players now uh, just because, you know, he's fun. He doesn't ever showboat. He doesn't ever do any of that. He just goes out, performs, and, you know, lets his talking do the – or his game do the talking. But that catch was huge, but penalties definitely um, hurt the Falcons in the second oh, half. Mm-hmm. And when they came out of halftime, the Falcons had the ball, and Matt Ryan threw a checkoff pass to Devontae Foreman for like 25, 27 yards. And I was like, oh, Falcons are winning this. It's over because the only chance the Patriots had were if they started stopping them. And that first play, I was like, oh, Falcons are back on. They found their groove. They're going to go kill it. And they couldn't do anything the rest of the half. And they just kept having uh, penalties and everything, like you all said. They got down there, and they got down to field goal range and then had two penalties that took them back, which hurt them big time. And Matt Ryan, you know, everyone wants to criticize him for not holding on to the ball and having that fumble. But it's just tough because, you know, you, you always hear those things. And sometimes, why'd you take the sack? You should have gotten rid of it to save the clock. And I know at that point, you're not trying to save the clock. So a sack would have probably been better. But, I mean, that was one of the most key, one of the biggest key plays was that fumble because, you know, then the Patriots got the ball, you know, almost at midfield. And all they had to do was get like two, three first downs. And they were in good field position. But uh, it was nuts. The key plays are crazy. And like you said, I definitely thought that if they got pressure on the Patriots. I thought today, if you would have told me today that the Falcons got five sacks on Brady and not even knowing the outcome, I would have said the Falcons would have won. Mm-hmm. You know, five sacks, pressure on Brady. He got hit all day, and even after the game, it was funny, his press conference, uh, they were asking him a question about a pass or something, and he said, which pass, a lot of SH word happened uh, out there. You know, I kept getting knocked down, and for a 39-year-old to get hit that much, I thought he was done, and the fact that he came back up and just performed uh, perfect in the second half was unreal. So there were definitely some key plays. That Edelman play was crazy, and it was fun to kind of hear him even say that it was about 70% luck, <laughs> which it was impressive. You know, arms and legs going at you. I don't even know how you could see the football, but that was crazy. Uh, but it, it's tough, too, because one of the big things that helped them in the first half was Devontae Foreman running the ball, and it hurts when you're starting center has a broken fibula mm-hmm. like that's nuts because you can't you can't put any pressure on it and if you have a 300 pound defensive tackle like Malcolm Brown like the Patriots do uh, it's kind of hard to run because you can't really push the guy but it was work it was successful in the first half with their running game so it put the Patriots D in a tough position because they had to respect the running game and respect all the receivers they had you know Gabriel they still let Julio go loose a little bit but uh, Gabriel did pretty well. Mm-hmm. Sanu didn't do as well as I thought he would. Um, but, I mean, it was just nuts. And then in the second half, their de- Falcons' defense was on the field for so long. They just yeah. got gassed. So gassed. You know, especially if, in, I mean, especially in overtime, like, you could just tell, like, you're yeah. so uh, just gassed and tired, like, just from literally playing, like, all the second half. It's insane. Um, and so, but one thing I do want to touch on, like, regarding, like, key plays, I thought a key non-play was uh, – the offense coordinator for the Falcons, uh, Shanahan, not calling more run plays in the end. Um, I yeah. was surprised they went away from that. And I know the argument you brought up of, you know, the center having the broken fibula, and like I totally get that. But like it was working well um, in the first half, mm-hmm. and like 
there were just a lot of plays like in the end. Like there was that one drive, like they were like I think at the thirty, and like on first down they threw it, second down they threw it, third down they threw it, yeah. and then like sacked, and they had a you know punt, and just like I don't know, they just kind of went away from the run game there in the second half, probably because they just want to you know get the to- get the scores, get the touchdowns, like throw it you know all the time, and like I think that that's what cost them um, big time, like especially in that second half, just because. I mean that running game was working super super well, and like all of it came in the first half. And like mm-hmm. I think the total from both running backs was like 106 yards, but that was like literally all in the first half. Like yeah. they didn't do anything the second half, and so I think that cost them big time. Um, but uh, I think it's tough too though because you saw in the first half most of the plays that uh, Devontae Foreman or Freeman had uh, success with were the halfback tosses, little pitch to the outside, and just let them go to the sideline mm-hmm. and just run up. And it was working, and I, I was kind of interested to see. I knew going into half, I was interested to see what Bill Belichick would do, what schemes he would do, and if he would change anything. And in the second half, it almost looked like he said, and I, m- some of this may, might might have been Kyle Shanahan not running as much, but I think most of it was accredited to Bill Belichick saying, we're going to shut down your run game. You're going to have to beat us in the air because if we get two incompletions, it's third and eight, and you're running the ball, we're going to save more time. To put our offense on there, and we're not going to let you run the clock out. So we're going to make sure you don't run. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, you look at one of those guys, Bill Belichick, as a coach, and he's one of the greatest at being able to go into halftime and saying, "This is where they're killing us. If we mm-hmm. shut this down, we have a chance to win this game." And I think yeah. that's what uh, Belichick did. He went into halftime and said, "Let's shut down their run so they can't run out the clock, so they can't, you know, so they're not two dimensional, and we'll see if it works out for us." And it. It definitely did. Uh, it was nuts. I was just twenty-eight to three, and you lose the game. <laughs> it was insane. And, and in the fourth quarter, you let the Patriots score nineteen points. Uh, it was just nuts. And two two-point conversions. <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm saying. Because like you, you think, couldn't stop what? That's another thing. You half. you know you tell me again that the uh, the Falcons were up to where the Patriots had to score. They kicked a field goal, and they had to score two touchdowns and get two two-point conversions. Mm-hmm. I'd have been like, yeah, they're screwed. Yeah. The, the likeliness of you getting a two-point conversion is really tough. But, but they did it twice. <laughs> they did it twice, and I don't know if it was the first one or the second one, but where uh, Amendola was running across the – running behind the line of scrimmage, I thought that was an amazing play call because i just never seen that. That was the second one. Normally you see the jet sweep come all the way across, but he ran like three yards, and they had two receivers just screen. Yeah. You know, it got uh, – it got messed up anyways because Dwight Freeney went off sides, but it was unreal. Still worked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that first one was the uh, the fake That's right. Um, shotgun uh, to Brady. Oh, and, yeah, uh, and James White move. right up he the middle. He did the ballerina spin, yeah. whatever he did. I can't believe James White <laughs> didn't get MVP. Tom Brady was great. He did an amazing job. James White had like three touchdowns, oh, yeah. 100 yards receiving. He yeah. was unreal. But anyways, uh, you know, talking about the Super Bowl and the Falcons and Patriots, between those two teams – who do you think has the best chance to make it back to the Super Bowl? David, what are your opinions on this? Um, uh, this is hard. I mean, both. I mean, obviously both are great, clearly, because they both made the Super Bowl. Um, but, I mean, I just look at, you know, competition um, in uh, NFC, AFC. I, I think the Patriots have a better chance. Um, I mean, they pretty much they didn't have any trouble really in the playoffs um at all um and uh, throughout the season um you know i think their biggest competition is going to be the steelers and i mean they beat them pretty well in that um you know championship game and so i think the patriots have a better chance just cuz i think they're 
um, scheduling, uh, whether that's regular season or it's playoffs, I just think there's less competition. I, you look at the NFC. I mean, you got the Packers, you got the Cowboys. I mean, you know, the Lions. Maybe you got the Giants. You know, with you know Odell Beckham. I just think there's so much competition um, in the NFC where there's a lot more scenarios that can happen, especially in the playoffs. That the Falcons mm-hmm. like. Um, we'll have a lot more trouble. So I think out of the two teams, I think the Patriots clearly have an easier, better path just because they dominate so well. And, you know, they don't really have anyone up against them. Maybe the Broncos, if they get a quarterback, I mean, maybe the Steelers, if you know, they improve on defense, you know, but I mean, other than that, like there's not really like a team that kind of stands out like, Ooh, they're, they're going to give the Patriots a hard time. But when you look at the NFC, I mean, you got, you know, like I said, all those, all those high caliber teams that definitely can give them trouble. And I mean, I mean, I know the Falcons did really well in the playoffs, and um, and and that's you know respect to that. But like, I'm just you know next season, like I just still think you know it's just going to be hard for them, uh, despite where they are at the end of the season. So, I think uh, the Patriots are a, a clear favorite to get back to the Super Bowl just because of the lack of competition. So, well, not only that, I mean, you look at obviously the division as a whole is tough, but even in the NFC South, the pa- or the not the Patriots, the <laughs> Panthers made the Super Bowl two years ago. They had a terrible year last year, but I kind of feel like they're going to pick it up and figure out what they need to do. The Saints are obviously always competitive, and the Buccaneers are getting better. So, yeah. I mean, even in that own little, in their own little division, they have to play all those teams twice. It's going to be tough to get out of there. But yeah. I agree with David think? in that the Patriots have the easier road to get there, but I think a lot of people underestimate the Falcons. I mean, you kept... You put the pressure on Brady. You kept them to 21-3 in the half. And also you have the Falcons who were kind of the underdog this year. And you had Matt Ryan who won the MVP of the league. And I think that the Falcons are hungry for it. I mean, this was only their second time in the Super Bowl in the franchise history. I think they are hungry to bring that championship to Atlanta. And I think that they should be underestimated next year. And I think that they're going to be a good, solid team coming into the season next year. One of the greatest things, too, talking about the two Super Bowls. I don't know if y'all saw this. Did y'all see the injury report on the Falcons before the Super Bowl? It said Alex Mack, broken fibula, Julio Jones, turf toe, Matt Ryan Super Bowl nerves. I promise you that's what it said. I was like, (laughs) are you kidding me? How is Super Bowl nerves on an injury report? And it was hilarious. It it made me crack up. But talking about who I think will – has the best chance to make it back the Patriots are tough because they have an amazing team that all buy into the process there's no divas even after they just won none of them are going to come out and say I want more money Mm -hmm. I'm going to go chase money and go somewhere else and be the individual star they all know where they are they know playing under Belichick will get them more Super Bowls and they love playing for them and it's just insane and the day after or the night after the Super Bowl the night of Belichick, someone asked him, and he said, yeah, well, right now we're five weeks behind every other team for next year's Super Bowl. And I was like, oh my gosh, this man just won yeah. <laughs> his fifth Super Bowl ring, and he's already mad that he's five weeks behind every other team. Mm-hmm. And then today during the parade, he started a chant, no days off. off. <laughs> Are you joking? If I'm a coach, if I'm Tom Brady, I am going crazy and parting my bottom off, having a blast because I just won my fifth Super Bowl. And just the fact, and it's definitely a test to their, their um, personality and their mm-hmm. drive, but it's unreal. You know, five Super Bowls, you want to go party and go crazy and celebrate, and the first thing that pops in Belichick's head is, we are five weeks behind every other team, and there's no days off. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. But, so, I mean, I definitely think the Patriots, the Falcons, I'll be interested to see what happens. 
Devontae Freeman, his agent, has already kind of clouded some stuff with how he wants to be paid as a top running back. So it's tough because they may not have that two-headed monster with Coleman and Freeman like they did Mm -hmm. last year. One may leave, or one may leave, or they may be able to pay both. But I hope they keep this team intact. I really like the Falcons. And if they do keep everybody and all that, I think it'll be interesting. And a lot of people say losing Kyle Shanahan kind of hurt, but they just got Mm -hmm. Steve Sarkeesian. And I don't. That blew my mind. That was a surprise to me. But they have a an aggressive play caller on offense. Dan Quinn's amazing on defense. I think they'll definitely be. Uh, they should be third or fourth favorite to win the Super Bowl. Obviously, the Patriots will come back, especially if Tom Brady plays again. <laughs> I was kind of hoping he'd pull a Peyton Manning. Should be like, like, I'm done. I want a Super Bowl. I'm out. <laughs> or a Ray Lewis. Just go to the 50 yard line and just you know cry and say I'm done and leave uh but the fact that the Patriots were like yeah I think Tom Brady's got three to five more years I was like probably this man a vampire like does he he's like like Coach K for Duke Coach K doesn't have a single white hair on his head you just never age like you're 39 years old and you are still performing at an elite level in the NFL when most quarterbacks have to quit at the uh, age of 35 which just blows Mm -hmm. my mind but with those two teams there's obviously a lot of other teams that can dethrone them, and you were talking about the Steelers and the Chiefs and the Patriots side, and we were talking about the Panthers and the Buccaneers. Which teams do you think have a strong chance to either make it back to the playoffs or contend the Falcons and the Patriots for that Super Bowl spot? Well, I won't be biased. Um, I'm clear of the Cowboys. Uh, <laughs> I mean, did that um, with you know two rookies. Go thirteen and three, almost beat a very elite Aaron Rodgers, and so uh, I think the Cowboys have an amazing chance to want to make it back to the playoffs and to hopefully get to the Super Bowl. Um, first, they just need to win a playoff game, but you know, <laughs> uh, definitely the Cowboys. Um, I do think uh, they are strong contenders. I think everyone, I think Vegas has them. You know, I think I want to say like. 11-1 maybe Super Bowl favorites? I don't know. I think I, they're the second favorite. Cowboys. Yeah, I think they're second. It's they like are. Patriots and yeah. Cowboys and yeah. then uh, Packers and then mm-hmm. uh, one other team. and then Vegas this, knows all. Yeah, Vegas, Vegas knows. <laughs> um, and Everybody so I think Cowboys, Vegas. you know, strong you know, strong consideration, um, chance to definitely get back to the playoffs. Especially, I mean, as long as the rookies don't have a two-year slump, which I don't think they will just because of just how, you know, dedicated they are, how passionate they are, and how well they work together, especially mm-hmm. uh, Dak and Zeke. I think they have a great chance. Um Packers definitely, if they can keep the injury bug off, you know, um, I mean, they definitely fought their way back to make the playoffs despite having so many injuries, but I think they remain healthy. I definitely think they're a huge contender, um, a huge threat um, in the playoffs. Um, AFC side, um, Chiefs, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know about Alex Smith. I don't know how much I trust him, um, but, you know, they had an amazing season. Obviously, they didn't do too well in the playoffs, so the Chiefs are up there. Steelers always, just because Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and then Antonio Brown is incredible, and so is uh, on Bell. Um, but my sleeper for the AFC, especially like getting to the playoffs, um, I think the Titans are a huge threat, and people don't really, really f- focus okay. on them just because they, they one they almost made the playoffs last year. Yeah. Uh, two, Marcus Mariota is improving. Delaney Walker is an amazing tight end. Um, Demarco Murray was like. The se- I think the second best running back, you know, just because he absolutely dominated. Um, and so I think the AFC is a sleeper to at least get to the playoffs, make things a little right. interesting, you know, take a team out that, you know, take heard it here first. T- t- heard it here first, people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Titans are making the playoffs. Pit a team in there that, like, hasn't been in the playoffs in a long time. So Titans definitely could be a sleeper. So I think those are my, like, main ones. Maybe the Lions, but yeah. I mean, the Lions really never get anywhere. So 
But go, you know, go Cowboys. But I mean, that's my take. I mean, that's who I think are your hot teams. take. But, yeah, hot real take. hot take. What about you, Bree? Are you gonna agree with me on this I, one too? I am. Of course. On the Cowboys <laughs> and Packers, yes. I mean, the Cowboys. Obviously, you had the young talent, the young talent that they have with Dak and Zeke this year that were just explosive during this year. But also, you have Jalen Smith, who is getting over mm. the injury. And I think it's going to be an amazing year for the Cowboys, but also the Packers, if they can get over the injuries and if they can work on their defense during the offseason, I think they'll have a great chance next year. But also, I think the Giants, um, obviously their defense was incredible this year. If they can get their offense on board during the offseason like with their defense, I think they're going to be a great team as well. I mean, they were kind of clouded this year with the spotlight that the Cowboys were getting, but I think they mm-hmm. are going to have to be looked at next year as well. Simeon? Yeah, definitely – uh, that's another good point as far as just the division that the Cowboys are in between Cowboys, mm-hmm. Giants, Redskins, Eagles. They all improved last year. They all did uh, really well. And the Giants were amazing. Their defense did really well. And mm-hmm. be interested to see if they uh, can keep everybody together. But uh, it's definitely tough. Uh, as far as strong teams, Cowboys are tough not to pick. But it'll be interesting to see how Dak and mm-hmm. Zeke do their sophomore year in mm. making sure they don't have the sophomore slump. And I'm interested to see – what happens with offseason if we pick up Definitely. pass rushing and if mm-hmm. we keep the main players on the team that we need to, Leary and the corners, that'd be great, uh, and that would definitely help us contend. But you look at someone like the Packers, maybe they could go in. Uh, I heard that Montgomery is going to switch to running back full-time, so that'll be inter- interesting to see how he makes that move because, you know, they didn't have um, – gosh dang it, what is his name? Eddie Lacy. Yes, Eddie go. Lacy. thank you. Uh, he, they didn't have Eddie Lacy almost all year, and he was an amazing, dominant running back that just didn't show up. So I'm interested to see what happens with the Packers when they do have mm-hmm. some weapons around Rodgers. Yeah. And you know, as far as NFC, it's always hard to count out the Seahawks. They're always really well. I think I forgot about them. Yeah, they, they always do pretty good. But <laughs> I don't like to talk. It's kind of hard. Yeah, it's hard. You know, you always forget about them because you don't. I, I mean, they've had so much success, yeah. but they had that one Super Bowl. But it, it's nuts. They, uh, you know. I guess they had the two. They won one and lost one of the Patriots, but they're they're always a strong team uh, as long as they can keep their defense intact and everything like I that. I definitely don't think they're as dominant as they used to be, especially yeah. with the Legion of Boom. I think that's kind of died down a little bit, but I mean, I think they're always a threat, you know, mm-hmm. and so it can always surprise us. Yeah, playoffs, and, so. you know, they don't have Marshawn, and it's kind of tough because they don't have many targets, or at least not yeah. some no-name targets as far as Doug Baldwin and Jimmy Graham. I know Jimmy Graham's a huge name. But he hasn't really done much lately, and Doug Baldwin was great. But, you know, he's great in that system. He just Did you guys well. see the Super Bowl video that Marshawn Lynch the made? Skittles. Yes, the Skittles. the London one. Skittles. Or Scotland. <gasps> that man is dying. awesome. He's a reality that TV show. So he's a reality incredible. TV show. Him, and then the one when he was on Bear Grylls uh, was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I love listening to that man talk just about <laughs> random stuff that he's never seen in his life before yeah. because it's so fun. Yeah. Uh, but also... You know, you look over at the AFC, too. I think another big thing for strong teams is I truly believe, and I'm a little uh, cheating cheating here a little bit, and we'll get into this more later, but I honestly am surprised to see where Romo goes because if he goes to the Broncos, they already have a championship-winning defense. Mm-hmm. Marius Thomas, C.J. Anderson, they just need a quarterback that will get them there. Obviously, he needs to stay upright, and he, they need <laughs> a line that can protect him. But seeing where he goes, and even the Texans, they'll get J.J. Watt back. And if Romo goes to Houston, I think he's better than Brock Osweiler. I think Brock would actually sit. Um, yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I think Brock would sit, and I think Romo could take the Texans pretty far too. And this may be biased, and you can call it biased if you want, because I've been a Cowboys fan, and I really, really like Romo. But I think when healthy, 
and upright. He can, uh, you know, make a team a lot better. So it'll be interesting yeah. to see where he goes. Mm-hmm. And I think we could definitely come back to this question later as far as, you know, after what happens yeah. in the offseason, what strong team will mm-hmm. have a better chance. Because right now Patriots and Cowboys are the favorites. But I'm kind of holding off on the Cowboys because, yeah. A, I don't want to get my hopes up. You just need to <laughs> play off game again. first. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, steps, baby steps. Baby, baby steps. steps. Baby we steps. made the playoffs this year. Let's win a playoff Let's game. Let's win a playoff and game. And then the division. Maybe. Or just do it all at once. Let's do it all at once. Let's have fun. Ball. Go crazy. Do it all at yes, once. Yes, but speaking of dominant teams, um, obviously Patriots won, which that's clear. As sad as it is to say, that's five Super Bowls now for Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. Do we consider the Patriots to be the best dynasty in the NFL? Bree, what's your take? Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to, obviously, mm-hmm. but I feel like I have to say yes. I mean, the Patriots have been in nine Super Bowls now, most in NFL history. They have won eight consecutive divisional titles, the longest streak in NFL history. And now they have five Super Bowl titles. Yep. Ugh. Just crazy. Simeon? <laughs> you just really I've, don't like I've that? No. She doesn't I like this I've, question. I don't know. We'll put an asterisk Someone next to it. Someone needs to yeah. take them Deflate out. Gate. I had it. <laughs> asterisk next gate. to that five. Yeah, yeah. Spygate. Something oh. gate. <laughs> Anything involving a gate. Yeah. Patriots. <laughs> yeah. Patriots are the king of gates. Yeah. Um, no, it's, it is tough. But when you look at it, you probably have to say that Dynasty – you look at the triplets that we had in Dallas, and then you look at the Packers and the 49ers. Historically, they've been amazing, and the Patriots definitely have tied some of those teams as far as uh, Vince uh, Lombardi winning five by himself. But I definitely think, or five with the Packers, I think it's I think they are the best dynasty because you look at it and the talent you have in the NFL now compared to what it was back in the That's day. That's true. Just it's way up there. One of the craziest things, the Packers were amazing, and they were great. But they played in an era where the very first Super Bowl, the Chiefs' starting quarterback was smoking a cigarette at halftime. Yeah. If you did that today, you probably wouldn't be able to play for like three months or whatever. Like, you, you see these guys. Injury list. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, and you see these guys. <laughs> cigarette. You see these guys like <laughs> Tom Brady weeks. who comes out and says, I don't have a sip of alcohol the entire season because it would ruin my body. Yeah. And you look mm-hmm. at that and you're like, this dude back in 1950 or whenever <laughs> it was was smoking a cig at halftime of sure the Joe, Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure Joe Namath smoked one oh, too. Oh, he has mm-hmm. some crazy stories yeah. about oh, him. Yeah. Well, like during the Super Bowl. But oh, yeah. Still on, he but. has some crazy stories <laughs> about him when he you know, woke up, wasn't feeling uh, completely 100%. We'll just yeah. say that. But I definitely think this is the best dynasty in the NFL. With, what, mm-hmm. with the talent in the NFL today, with how competitive it is, and honestly – players that they've had on the team you look at it you look at the 49ers they had great players as far as Joe Montana and Jerry Rice yes the pa- Patriots have Tom Brady but you look at it and the teams he's won with they're all different receivers mm-hmm. Dion Branch back in the day to Julian Edelman then that was a great catch and he'll definitely be remembered for that catch but most of these guys I would say would not make will not make the Hall of Fame uh, at being a receiver, the, his yeah. receivers won't make the Hall of Fame. Maybe his running backs will, or maybe his offensive line. But you look at it with the 49ers, they had so much talent, and the Steelers, even, they had so much talent when they were dominant. And the Cowboys had so much talent in the 90s. You look at this, and I'll be interested to see what happens, you know, five, ten years down the road and see how many players of his go into the Hall of Fame. But for the most part, these are just guys that trust the process, are in the system, mm-hmm. and 
stick with what they got. Yeah. It's uh it's pretty nuts. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, best dynasty in the NFL. I mean, I hate to admit it because I don't like them, but I mean, I just don't think it should be a competition anymore. Uh, I do think uh, the Patriots do have the best dynasty in the NFL. Um, just who they've won with. Uh, when it when it's like no name players, all these mm-hmm. undrafted seventh rounders, and just to win six, you know, go to you know six AFC championships in a row, and then you know win win most of them, you know, and you know go to as you know Brady and Belichick together go to seven Super Bowls, win five of them. It's just like it's insane. Like it's just hasn't I mean, been it's done. No cakewalk. They've gone yeah, through some. Yeah, I know, teams, and so. it's just like yeah. they haven't. Like, that just hasn't been done. And, like, I understand, like, you know, the dynasties, especially the Cowboys in the 90s and the 49ers in the 80s and, you know, all the all these different, you know, the Steelers in the 70s. Just, like, the competition is so much more high um, th- in this, you know, s- century or this generation mm-hmm. era of football that it's just so much more tough to compete. And, like, they're still winning it without no-name players or Hall mm-hmm. of Famers. And so definitely think it's the Patriots. Um, but the QB of the Patriots, Tom Brady, Obviously, that's five Super Bowl rings to his name. Is he the greatest quarterback of all time? If you can debate that, I will show you the door. Because, or not not him. If you will debate that he's Against not him. the greatest of yeah. all time, I will show you the door and say I'll never talk to you again because it's over. It's a little It's harsh. done. And he's probably going to be here for, yeah, a little harsh. <laughs> a little harsh there. But he's, you know, he's going to be here arguably for the next three years. If he wins one more, there's not even anywhere coming out of the woodworks or under a rock to even debate that. And I think right now he's already solidified it for sure. Mm-hmm. But one question I was uh, wanted to ask y'all, see what y'all say, and I know this is getting into a different sport, but it's fun. Which modern dynasty is better, the Patriots or the Spurs? Which uh, do y'all think? Just quick, quick little answer. I t- but yeah, it's tough. Uh, I'd still go Patriots. Same. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like the Spurs. I respect them a whole lot. Uh, but, I mean, they've had – They've had so many stars. I mean, Tony That's Parker's true. a star. Yeah. Ginobili's a star. Mm-hmm. You know, Kalai Leonard's a star. You know, Tim Duncan's going to be in the Hall of Fame. So, like, they've had more stars. And I think because they've kept that, you know, starship all together throughout the whole mm-hmm. years, that's why they've been so successful. Tom Brady hasn't yeah. had that. And so I think that's where the difference is uh, between the two uh, dynasties. But, again, Spurs, all respect to them. I mean, best dynasty in the N- NBA? Yes. Um, yeah. Oh, no question. Sure, yeah. 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 But I mean, I've, I feel like it can go Patriots. different ways from different, you know, analytics from different sports. Mm-hmm. But probably, you know, probably the Patriots. Yeah. Are you going same I, way? I am. Mm-hmm. But I will say though, I think that the Patriots are the greatest dynasty. It's not because of Tom Brady. I think it's because of Bill Belichick and his coaching. I mean, you had without Tom Brady, the Patriots went. Their record without him is 13 and 6, and during the 2008 season, they went 11 and 5 without Brady. I think that is all because of Bill Belichick's coaching ability and to utilize the players they have and the talent and moving that around and anticipating what the other teams are going to do and switching around the game plan. I think that is all Bill Belichick. So, with that argument, do you think Tom Brady is the best quarterback of all time? I do. You still do? Even though though the system is still. I still do. Yeah. But I believe that it's more of. Bill Belichick. Yeah. See, I'm I think. I mean, I don't think it's a debate anymore. If if he didn't win it, it would still be a debate to this day. But I think because he won it, it's not a debate. Just because. In the way mm-hmm. he won it. Yeah. In the way, obviously, yeah. the comeback. But like, I mean, you look at. I mean, people will throw different quarterbacks out there for argument. They'll throw Peyton Manning. They'll throw, you know, you know, John Elway. They'll throw John Montana. Mm-hmm. And like the argument I will give back is like, okay, they all had Hall of Famers. You know, John Montana had Jerry Rice. You know. John Elway had Terrell Davis. Um, Peyton Manning had Reggie Wayne. Um, he was, um, and then um, 
for Marvin the Broncos at, Juli- at Julius Thomas and yeah. like just all these, you all know, different guys. who will be, I think, a Hall of Famer. Shannon Sharp uh, for John Way, going back to John Elway. So they have all had Hall of Famers, amazing players. Yeah. Um, I don't think you can really name one Hall of Famer that other than Randy Moss that Tom Brady has played with. And even when Tom Brady played with him, they didn't win a Super Bowl. But like past Super Bowls, like I can't even think of one that just stands out immediately. And so I think I think he's the best quarterback of all time right now until my mind has changed in um, the future. But I mean, I just don't think it's an argument. I, I just know. don't. Yeah. I just I don't know how you can argue it. And like, I mean, I've heard like one time be like, oh, well, you know, Peyton Manning went to four Super Bowls with four different coaches. I'm like, cool. He still had Hall of Famers around him, yeah. whether he was on the Broncos or the Colts. And so. I don't know. So I just I think it's Brady. I don't mm-hmm. think it's close. Um, I don't like saying it. I just but you got to give respect where respect <laughs> yeah, is due. He's no a doubt. fourth time Super Bowl MVP, yeah. most of any NFL player in history. It's, yeah. mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty Brady. crazy. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I definitely. It's an interesting topic between the Patriots and Spurs, where I think y'all made good points with the Patriots, uh, and it's kind of fun because they have similar styles as far as Popovich is a great Hall of Famer coach with a great player. He had Tim Duncan for a long time and everything like that. And then obviously the Patriots have Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. And I love the debates right now of people saying who's more uh, valuable, I guess, or who's more important, mm-hmm. Bill Belichick or Tom Brady. And I think it kind of stinks. You can't really argue that because yeah. they both go hand in hand. It's like peanut butter and jelly. You can't say which one's better because yeah. they just are <laughs> perfect together. Yeah, it's like yeah. you take one out, they'll struggle. Yeah. You take the other out, they'll struggle. Sure. Kind of like Dak I mean, and Zeke. You take Zeke out, Dak ah, struggles. Yeah, let's, take let's Dak hope out, so. Struggles. Let's Maybe. hope they're as, <laughs> as successful. But talking about <laughs> Dak and Zeke, actually, um, you know, obviously with the NFL honors, we won a lot of uh, – Cowboys won, of, uh, won a lot of awards. Uh, with that, did any of the award winners shock you or turn out to be something – that you did not agree with. And right now, for me, I agreed with all of them. I thought Joey Boza was a defensive player of the rookie of the year, uh, or defensive rookie of the year, by far. Dak and Zeke, I loved um, uh, how he went up there with Zeke. I thought that was great because how are you going to determine who wins that? And they gave it to Dak, but both of them played really well. And then defensive player of the year, I thought was Cleo Mack. Everything kind of lined up. I thought Matt Ryan should have been offensive player of the year and MVP. And the only one that I would say would be up for debate would be the comeback player of the year. They gave it to Jordy Nelson, and he definitely had a great year. I think he led the NFL in receiving touchdowns. But in from what he came back from, from his injuries, amazing. But you look at guys like Le'Veon Bell, who was also – Hurt last year with an ACL with a knee injury, and then this year just balled out. He played 12 games and was top five in rushing yards, which is really hard to do. And we obviously talked about it on one of these podcasts that Sean Lee, it's hard to – I'm surprised he wasn't even in – wasn't even talked about from what I heard. Uh, mm. And, you know, from him being out majority of the year last year to leading tackles in the NFL this year, I don't know how you couldn't at least argue for him to be comeback player of the year. Yeah, But, you know, with that – David, what do you think? Um, I mean, I thought the I mean the awards seem to be yeah, correct in my opinion. Um, uh, I'm happy Dak got Rookie of the Year offensively. Um, that was my prediction, just because I thought he had more of a load, and he also uh, wasn't expected to do that. So because of that, I think he did deserve it a little more than Zeke, even though I love Zeke and like the type of player he is. I also loved how Dak brought up Zeke, wanted to share the award like on stage, saying like he could have done this without him, vice versa. Um, and so I thought that was really awesome. 
I was a little disappointed that Matt Ryan won Offensive Player of the Year and MVP. I know he deserves both of them, but like, I look back to 2014, Aaron Rodgers won MVP, and then DeMarco Murray won Offensive Player of the Year. I thought that was kind of cool. It was kind of like a win-win scenario. Um, so I thought you know they should have gave Matt Ryan MVP, which I think he clearly deserves it. And then I, I kind of wish they kind of gave Zeke Offensive Player of the Year, but that's just me being biased. But, you know, overall, <laughs> the honors, like, they were cool. I'm so happy Jason Garrett got Coach of the Year. Mm, I thought he flat-out deserved it for taking a – Four and twelve team to a thirteen and three team with two rookies leading the way. Um, yes, the two rookies were incredible, but that that does not get done without amazing coaching. Mm-hmm. And so I think Jason Garrett highly deserved it. No surprise there that the offensive line won best offensive line. Clearly, they were talked about all year. And so overall, it was a great day. A great day uh, for Cowboys uh, lovers um, and for the players. Um, a lot of awards to our side. And so I was very happy um, overall. And I thought it was a great awards uh, award ceremony. So mm-hmm. Bree, what do you think? Yeah, I wouldn't say I was really shocked or disagreed with any of them. Um, I thought it was a little interesting that Khalil Matt got Defensive Player of the Year just because I feel like Von Miller was talked about a little more, but, I mean, I feel like it was well-deserved, and obviously Jason Garrett getting Coach of the Year, um, Dak get, getting Offensive Rookie of the Year, and Zeke getting um, Ground Defensive Player of the Year, or Offensive Player of the Year, I think obviously all well-deserved, but I do want to just take a minute and talk about Dak Prescott for Offensive Rookie of the Year. Um, he just, I mean, he had poisonies all year on and off the field, and I just think it's incredible that he gets up there and takes Zeke up with him and says that he would split it in half and give him half. And also it just gives credit to the Lord and to his family. It doesn't take any of it for himself. I just think um, full man of character and humbleness, and I just wish him the best and hope that he does very well next year and for the Cowboys as a yeah, whole. It was a special moment. It was. The one thing that I like don't like about the speech was great and the fact that he wanted to split it up in half, But and then obviously I don't know if you all heard this, but when he was like, Thanks to the other 30, 31 yeah, teams that looked teams over me. Passed on me. The yeah. Cowboys passed on him for three rounds. <laughs> like, I, I'm just not the biggest fan of always that, like, oh, my gosh. You know, Richard Sherman, he didn't go to the sixth round. Everybody else passed on him. Like, every you, you can't draft every player that comes to the draft. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. there's going to be people that you miss on every year. Every team's going to be punished for not drafting this guy. And that you can obviously put that up to the scouting departments of either team. But – I did like how Dak had Zeke with him and everything. I just, I always hate the thanks for the 30 other one teams that passed on me. It's like, dude, Cowboys <laughs> passed on you for three picks. Like, <laughs> you know, can't hey, we got lucky. Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely lucky. got, yeah, we, we were we definitely excited. Well, continuing with players, I think a big talk is what will happen to Tony Romo. Hmm. What do you think, Simeon? This is the fun part. And <laughs> I hope. This is me being hopeful and just, you know, wishing for the best, optimistic, wishing for the best that we can trade him because, A, I don't want to pay or I don't want to drop him, cut him, just so he can be a free agent and we still pay his salary. I'd love to trade him to another team to where then he can restructure his contract with them or whatnot, but it's tough. I think it's definitely up in the air. I think I've heard that one of the – Strong places that he may go are the Houston Texans, which would be big. And I know, especially for him, I've heard him talk about how he definitely wants to stay competitive and he wants to go to a team that can push for the playoffs and push for the Super Bowl. He doesn't want to be back up for the Cowboys. So I think him staying on this team is completely out of the window. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any chance we keep him on. It is a tear (laughs) shed. I 
I always liked him. I always rooted for him to mm-hmm. at least bring us one Super Bowl and then, you know, go yeah. somewhere else. But it's interesting. The Texans, the Broncos, I think both have a have a strong chance. And it'll come down to who can who can we trade for, I guess. Mm-hmm. It'll beat up to Jerry where he goes, and I'm sure Romo will have a lot of say. But I hope we don't cut him because then it just kind of hurts us. But if we could trade him for maybe a compensation pick where we say if he plays – six games we get a third round pick if he and you know one of those kind of trades where if he has this many yards and this many touchdowns we get a second round pick I'd love to be able to trade him but we'll see what happens but I think right now the two teams that I would expect him to go to are the Texans or the Broncos and if he goes on there they have a immediate chance to really push the Patriots for a Super Bowl Mm -hmm. to beat them but yeah, I don't want him to go. I've been a Tony guy my whole life, despite the ups and downs. Now I will say I've never been compl- like I've always been. There's been times I've been angry and mad, you know, at the interceptions. But overall, I've always <laughs> rooted for him. Um, I've always been a fan of him. So I don't want him to go. Obviously, ninety-eight percent sure he will go. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I, but I do want him to succeed. So like whatever team yeah. he goes to, I'll be. Their second biggest fan, you know. Can you imagine and if so, he played us in the Super Bowl though next year. Uh, I don't want to think. Oh. Of, I don't, okay, yeah. new topic, new that. debate. I've about new that. debate. No, no, we're not talking about that yet. Oh, it's not happening. Man, I don't want that'd that to be happen. Nuts. But uh, <laughs> oh, Dak against. Uh, yeah, Dak against Romo. Uh, but um, I mean, what you said, I I'll think the Texans and the uh, Broncos, I think, are uh, should be clear front runners. Now there was a report that Bob McNair was not really interested, which I think is. Bogus. I mean, I really think you put Roma in there. Um, they're a playoff contender immediately. <laughs> like he's yeah. ten times better than Brad Osweiler. He's yeah, like seventy-two an, million dollars. Yeah. You paying a guy seventy-two yeah. million dollars? You could pay. You could pay money for Roma. <laughs> I, if I'm Bob McNair, I wouldn't. I would come out and say I wouldn't. Be, I won't be interested because you are paying seventy-two million dollars. Yeah. For a guy to start and take your team, I would be absolutely mad. Yeah. If <laughs> not, I mean, if you got Romo and they made the Super Bowl, obviously that'd be great. But if you're Bob McNair, you're like, why the heck did I just pay him seventy two million dollars? Yeah, but I mean, it's a. I mean, if they want to win, they would really consider Romo. Yeah. But I mean, the Texans aren't used to winning, so it's okay. Um, so <laughs> a little dab there, <laughs> dab there. It's funny. Yeah. I'm from Houston, but I was raised a Cowboys fan, so a lot of my Houston oh, friends right. do not appreciate my views on things. But it's all good. Um, so. Uh, he'd definitely be a clear cut for the Texans. I, I, I've always thought, even from the beginning, even through the debates of, oh, who should start if Romo comes back healthy? I've always thought the Broncos were a clear uh, front runner uh, above mm-hmm. the Texans. I mean, you got an amazing defense, you got star receivers, you know, um, and you got an amazing GM, John, and John Elway, who is like a quarterback master. Um, <laughs> and so I really do believe that if Tony went to the Broncos, they would m- immediately compete with the Patriots up there. Um, and so. I think that's a clear-cut path for him. Now, I've also seen reports that the Broncos aren't interested in a, in a trade. They're only interested if he like gets cut and they just pick him up, which would be hard on us because it's like we – obviously, I know Jerry. I know Steven want the best for Romo, and I feel like if they have to do that, they will just because they have such a good relationship with him. But, I mean, I don't know. So, either Texans or Broncos. I've mm-hmm. seen reports of the Jets, but like the Jets are awful. I don't think he would want to get there. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, my best scenario is that he stays with us because I love him. <laughs> and he just kind of guides yeah. Dak. I think you need to throw that scenario Yeah, that sophomore. Hey, you got <laughs> that I mean, in there. I you think never he'd be, I think he'd be a great quarterback coach oh, for, for the real? Cowboys. Oh, but, oh, I mean, he's helped, he's helped Dak out all season. Totally. But then again, I mean, like you said, there's no way he's staying 
Yeah. With the Cowboys, he he's made it very clear all season that he still wants to perform like he yeah. did in the speech where he handed off the torch to Zach. He's Dak. He's made it very clear that he still wants to compete and that he's very capable of like yeah. the touchdown drive in the game against the Eagles. Oh, it's beautiful. But it was. But I mean, I feel like the same as y'all that he'll go with either the Broncos or the Texans. I mean, with the Broncos, um, they say they're okay with Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch, but I mean, I think no, he would not. help them out. Yeah, but I think he would obviously help them out a lot offensively. And I feel like with the cap, it like that would be better for them to go with Romo. But um, real quick, if you're John Elway, how would you not? I, I understand it's tough because trading you don't want to do, and you're a GM, and Jerry's a GM, but and you want to do the best for your team. So obviously, you want us to cut him, and then the mm-hmm. Broncos can pick him up because it best fits them. But if you're John Elway, how would you not let this guy go? You have a Super Bowl defense. You have all the pieces. You you just need a good quarterback that can mm-hmm. get you there. Yeah. And I don't think you got to look at yourself and say Trevor Simeon's not going to win us a Super Bowl in my opinion. Paxton Lynch won't. Okay. Romo gives us the best chance. Not saying you have to throw the kitchen sink to trade for him. I mean, I think one of them would be a great backup. Yeah, yeah. And I'm excited to see a veteran guy. Just trade one of them and then keep one of them as a backup. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, not even trade. You know, give us just two draft picks or something Mm -hmm. like that. Or give us a freaking defensive end rusher. Yeah, (laughs) something like that, like a second string or whatever. But I understand. (laughs) You know, (laughs) yeah, I understand. That's why these are negotiations, and that's why they're the best. It's a business. It is a business. But I'm, I'm just don't know if how if you're John Elway, you can't. Yeah. Take the opportunity to get Romo when you can. I think. I mean, I think he'll surprise us. I mean, I think. I think he will. I think if I had to like really pick like who he's gonna go to, I think it's the Broncos. Yeah, uh, it'd be interesting for him to go to the Texans because all my Houston friends like have talked such you know mess about Romo over my years of cheering for him, and now they're like cheering for Romo to come to Houston because they know yeah. Brock Eisweiler. Brock Eisweiler is yeah. not getting them anywhere, and so. I well, and Osweiler in the past has done really well behind a greater quarterback, and I think he'd be a great backup oh, yeah. to to Romo. And, I mean, obviously for Romo, it'd be a little easier to be in Texas. Mm-hmm. Better move for the family, but, I mean, I feel feel like he'll be utilized way more in yeah. for the Broncos yeah. and Denver. The biggest thing, too, is if he stays healthy, obviously. But we'll see. <laughs> but <laughs> I, that is an yeah. argument. But I'm excited, too, because he's even come out and told people that he definitely still has that drive. He can be competitive, and he still has that quarterback mind to where he wants to go compete with a team for a Super Bowl. So yeah. we'll see what happens. But We'll see what happens. Thank you for listening to the DBU Gridiron Podcast. Join us next time where we discuss the draft and the offseason. God bless.